you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. NFL Total Access is a production of the NFL in partnership with iHeartRadio. It's Monday, February 5th, and you're listening to NFL Total Access. The podcast. (laughs) Those are the voices of today's special guest. Voice number one. A 13-year NFL veteran drafted by the Titans. He's also the pride of the Browns, the Dolphins, and the Patriots with whom he won his Super Bowl ring. You can catch his soft-spoken but hard truths every morning on NFL Network because this man is the co-host of Good Morning Football. This man is Jason McCourty. Welcome to the pod, sir. Oh, Andrew, appreciate you having me, man. Voice number two is a director and a documentarian, a writer and producer who dabbles brilliantly in the world of virtual reality, but gives no quarter in the world of actual reality. He's an Emmy winner, a former college football player, Illinois by birth, Nigeria by blood. Voice number two belongs to Osahan Tongo. Welcome to you, sir. Thanks, Andrew. That was a great, you know, that was a great try. I really appreciate it. <laughs> Jason doesn't that. give that to you when you walk in a room, no, does he? No, not at all. No, I damn right he doesn't. I am your host, no, NFL Network senior writer, Andrew Levy, and I am honored to welcome Jason and Osahan to the show today because these podcast debutantes are here to promote the NFL 360 Black History Month special, which will air listener tomorrow night. That's Tuesday night on NFL Network, 8 p.m. Eastern. Some of you, I hope, saw last year's NFL 360 Black History Month special on the indelible legacy of Jimmy Ray. You've heard Jimmy Ray's name mentioned on this pod before because Michael Robinson talked about his old coach and friend Jimmy Ray reminding him, why do you work for a Super Bowl so that you can put your name in indelible ink? Well, these guys did a special about Jimmy Ray, and that show won an Emmy. Osahan directed, Jason hosted. So clearly this is a combo that works, but not just for honors, for unforgettable material, characters in our world that we have to meet, stories in our world that we have to hear. This year, gentlemen, is no exception. I want to start with the story that is the primary focus of tomorrow night's NFL 360. It's about history and impact. It's about legacy and about change. It's about pride and permanence. It's about the Tuskegee Airmen. Now, listener, if you're like me, you will sit up and swear this is a story you know. But I am humbled to report that what I thought I knew is merely an introduction to the depth and breadth of what I needed to know. Jason, I want to start with you, because I understand you had encouraged your eight-year-old son to read up on the Tuskegee Airmen not long before you got the call about this show. Now, that kind of coincidence in my family, we call a God moment. Why Tuskegee for your son? Uh, the summer reading, and you know, if you have kids that are older and they get to that phase where the summer hits and all they want to do is go outside and play or get on the screen and get on their iPads, I tried to encourage my three kids this past summer where we went to our local library and they love the Who Is books where you can go on and they'll know different sports heroes for him. Tom Brady is his guy, but he picked out a book on LeBron James. So he got to pick out a book. We both read the book and then we'd have a conversation. So as I'm going through different books, I'm trying to educate them on different things. And for whatever reason, Tuskegee Airmen jumped out to me that given day. 
So took it home, he read it, we had a conversation about it. And it was so cool because he's eight years old and to see things through his lens and how he uh, listens to it and comprehends it and where he goes from it to questions and all of that. It was a great conversation. And fast forward months later, uh, getting a call to help, obviously, Osahan doing all the work uh, with an amazing story and helping just bring it to light and using that platform was uh, just such a coincidence that I couldn't say no to that. Osahan, you made uh, what was an inspired decision to make Major Tim Jefferson Jr. the ostensible sort of leader, storyteller of this piece. Now, some of us remember him, listener, as the star quarterback for the Air Force Academy. You invite us to meet the man who, after his time on the gridiron, Osahan, became a bomber pilot. And in your incredible piece here, Major Jefferson goes on a journey across America to learn about the legendary Tuskegee Airmen. This is a hard question to answer. What did he learn? What did he mm. learn? I mean, it was it's a breadth of knowledge, right? So we, we, we started off the dock by him actually touching ground on Moton Field, where everything happened, where the program, the experiment, what they called it, uh, actually started, right? So. Um, he learned about the reason why it was important for us to even have the quote-unquote experiment because the Army War College in 1925 wrote a memo saying that black pilots or black fighters in war were not smart enough to, to fight. They didn't have the courage. They didn't, it was just a damning letter about them. But, I mean, he went from there to Tuskegee. We went during homecoming. We, we saw the culture of the university, Booker T. Washington, and everything that happened there. And then we even met two 100-year-old uh, Tuskegee Airmen. Right, we got to actually touch these legends and talk to them, and uh, and really, really sit down and have a moment with these heroes. Really, I mean, one of them, he wore John Glenn's spacesuit into the atmosphere, so he was basically the test dummy for John Glenn's spacesuit. Right, like the flyest ever is is a is a mm -hmm. title that kind of came when you're when you're doing stuff like this. Right, so I mean, he did all of these different things, and I can go on for days, but I mean, it was just an amazing moment, and I learned in the process as well. I'm curious to know, in your experience with those two centurions, those two hundred-year-old Tuskegee airmen, uh, first of all, what an incredible thing to be able to, just to be in their presence, to be with somebody who has touched a part of our historical record as Americans that, that we can only think about, dream about, and read about. Uh, you were there with somebody who was there. I should think, well, I want to know, are they aware? Do they know, do they carry with them the, the understanding and the knowledge of just how important to our world, to our country they were? Do they know it? I think at the time they, they knew they were doing something and they did something for black people in America more than anything, right? Like they, they help win the war. I mean, they're escorting bombers at the alarming rate where they're not losing bombers at all, right? Compared to other people who wanted to be hot shots and get kills, they were the most disciplined crew because they had to be. They were stuck together for a year before they even got to go out. So by the time they got combat action, they were a well-oiled machine and they were, you know, really disciplined. But when they came back, there was no ticker tape parade. There was no, hey, they couldn't vote when they came back. So you risked your life for your country. You saw your brother and die. You fought as hard as you're one of the smartest people in the world. Like as far as like you can, you went to college and now you're, you're flying airplanes and then you come back, you're an officer, people are not saluting you, people are not doing that. So some of these Tuskegee Airmen, they came home and just had whatever jobs, like they didn't, they weren't really embraced. But then to this day, when I sat with these guys, they knew, hey, 
what we did was important. And, and Harvey, he has the pride. He has the personality. He knows. He's like, yeah, I was the best. I won the first <laughs> Top Gun meet. I'm telling you, I'm the best. Just give me a shot. And uh, but they all were really humble. At the end of the day, they were really humble, and they, you know, all that stuff is in the past, and they live every day, and they just kept on living, and they looked up, and now here we are. Listener, you heard Osahan describe what he called and what history calls that Tuskegee experiment. Just think about that word, experiment. How insulting a word that is, for what it means, for what it meant to choose that word. That this was an experiment. Well, we'll see. We'll see. There was resistance to training black pilots, resistance that was born out of fear and prejudice and pure, simple racism, racism that was formalized, codified in the memo issued by the Army War College that Osahan told us about. And that resistance, like the countless examples of resistance to inclusion black men and women have experienced and continue to experience in our world was met with courage, beaten back with defiance, and erased, at least in that space, with excellence. The Tuskegee experiment was the term that was derived uh, from the theory that the black man was inferior and would not stand up in war. Section five, the combat characteristics of the Negro. Bullet two, an opinion held in common by practically all officers is that the Negro is a rank coward in the dark. He cannot control himself in the fear of danger to the extent the white man can. He has not the initiative and resourcefulness of the white man. He is mentally inferior to the white man. Experiment. 63 pages of garbage. We couldn't do anything according to them. Uh, we couldn't fly aircraft. We couldn't operate heavy machinery. We were inferior to the white man. Um, when I see a study like this, it, um, it helps me to understand what we have been up against since slavery, since before slavery. Jason McCourty, legacies like that of the Tuskegee Airmen where does your mind and spirit go? Is it pride? Is it pain? I imagine it can never just be one thing. Yeah, I think pride would be the one, but you try to put yourselves, yourself in their shoes and think about what it had to be like for them to go through that entire experience. And obviously you look at the experiment and how disrespectful and how much they put them down, but the thought of carrying a legacy that goes so far beyond not only you and your family, but who, what they had to represent. And Osahan said it, like they protected the bomber pilots because they felt like they had to because throughout their entire lives to get to where they got, like they couldn't make a mistake. You couldn't go out there and try to become a pilot at that time and have one slip up and be late for something or get one wrong answer. They had to be damn near perfect to be able to achieve those things. So. You just think about how hard we choose and dream and strive to get to the goals that we come up with and how many times we fall short of it and we dust ourselves off and we get back up and we try again to get to whatever point we're in in our lives. So for them to think at that time, you wanted to do something that was 
impossible for anybody that was around you, but then you were able to conquer it, succeed, and be better than a lot of people with so much less resources and so many odds stacked against you. Uh, I think pride is the thing that stands out the most, just because you think about those men, what they had to go through, and how they still came out on top. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish spring body wash and bar soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. You are listening to NFL Total Access, the podcast. I'm your host, NFL Network senior writer Andrew Levy. With me today, Jason McCourty and Osahan Tongo, uh, host and producer and director of tomorrow night's NFL 360 Black History Month special. The story we're talking about is the primary focus of this special. This is a special 90-minute episode of NFL 360, this Black History Month special. Tomorrow, that's Tuesday night on NFL Network, 8 p.m. Eastern. Do it for yourself. Do it for your families. Watch it live. Record it. You can see it on NFL Plus or on NFL.com later. Just make sure that you get this material in front of you, in your eyes, and in your ears, because it will find its way into your heart. The story we're talking about now is called Flyest Ever. And gentlemen, as we sit here today, six days from Super Bowl 58, one of the many ways in which your story has the power to affect us, to make us think forever differently, is about the Super Bowl pregame flyover. Osahan, this year's flyover will be conducted by the famous Thunderbirds, pilots who are considered among the best pilots in the world. And yet it's more than that. They are, in fact, a living testament to the power of the Tuskegee legacy. Please explain. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, as you said, they're flying over the Super Bowl this year and they're the best of the best. I mean, they recruit and take do auditions for months to get these best pilots from all over the military to really show the excellence and precision within within the uh, the military. But at the same time, this wouldn't have even come in a come about if Benjamin O'Davis, who was of the first class of Tuskegee Airmen, he was the squadron commander and became a general in the military. And um, Benjamin O'Davis Jr. actually staffed the package for the Thunderbirds, came up with, hey, we need to do this to help recruit people to become pilots in the military and inspire the country, especially with the you know, crisis of confidence and all these different things that we talk about in, in our nation. We need something to pull us together. And when you go to a game and you see the flyover and you feel it right after the national anthem, you're like, America, you know, like you're screaming it from the bowels, you know, that you're, you love this game and this is the most patriotic and unifying moment in sports. And to think that this year in Super Bowl 58 in Las Vegas, the same place that, you know, James Harvey won the first Top Gun meet. We're going to have Thunderbirds fly over and carry that flag and, and, and fly the flag of the Tuskegee Airmen uh, and write, write that history through the skies over one of the greatest monuments to America. It, it's just a, 
it's a really humbling experience. It's really amazing to, to think about the testimony that they're doing just by even existing. Typically, listener, if you're familiar with the Thunderbirds, we were used to a six-plane formation. I think that will likely be the case on Sunday. Two of those six pilots on Sunday, black pilots, important to point out. Jason, as a player in a Super Bowl, the flyover is more than punctuation and pageantry. It's a moment of power in which your career, in your case, your career flashed in front of your eyes. Take us to that moment. Tell us that story. Yeah, um, for me, my career I ended up playing 13 years in the NFL. The year I got a chance to play in the Super Bowl was year 10. And the first nine years of my career consisted of zero playoff games, uh, two winning seasons, a season that uh, incorporated zero wins. So it was a lot of adversity to get to that point to be in a Super Bowl. Got to do it alongside my twin brother as well. And when I think about the flyover and the noise and the sound of what it signifies and everything Osahan said was completely right. And for the players, when you're down there on that field and your helmet's off and we do the national anthem and the flyover happens at that moment, you know, everything you're thinking of, your career, your family, all of those emotions where you almost have tears rolling down your eyes. As soon as that flyover happens, it's like, all right, it's game time. Everything I've done, the work I've put in, the adversity I've gone through individually as a team, it's all come to this moment to get to the mountaintop. So that flyover is just such a special moment for everybody that's in the stadium in that given moment. For the people sitting in the crowd, they think about what it took for them to get to a Super Bowl and possibly be watching their favorite team. And for the players down there on the field, it's a moment that you won't get back because whether you win or lose that game, those group of men and women that signify a team or an organization, it'll never be the same again. Listener, when this year's flyover rattles Allegiant Stadium and lifts our eyes and our spirits to the heavens, do not let that moment pass without thinking about who is in those seats and what it took for them to get there. And do not let that moment be a disappointing reminder that you forgot to record NFL 360 Black History Month special tomorrow night. That's Tuesday night, 8 p.m. Eastern on NFL Network. Flyest ever. That is the name of the piece about the Tuskegee Airmen that Jason and Osahan have just been talking about. After the break, Jason and Osahan will tell us about an extraordinary piece of history and poetry that you will see in that NFL 360 special. It's called The Chief Who Walked the Sea, and it's coming up after the break on NFL Total Access, the podcast. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. You are listening to NFL Total Access, the podcast. Andrew Levy with Jason McCourty and Osahan Tongo, host and director of tomorrow night's NFL 360 Black History Month special. Before you guys leave, I have to ask you about the chief who walked the sea. This is a six-minute journey into a forgotten moment in history and how that moment, that extraordinary event, both for what it was 
and for where it was, birthed an NFL story we all think we know quite well, the story of Jim Brown. Osahan, please tell us about this haunting and thrilling work, and it is in equal measure both of those things, haunting and thrilling, the chief who walked the sea. Thank you. So it really focuses on Jim Brown and his legacy, right? So Jim Brown passed last year, and when, when we were thinking about ideas for for NFL 360 this season, I you know I I've known about this story called Ebo Landing, right? It was uh, it was a slave revolt that happened, and and people talk about it. Toni Morrison has an amazing story about it, and then also it's turned into a fairy tale. So there's children's books about it, and then there's um, Killmonger talks about it when he talks about bury me in the ocean like my ancestors who didn't want to be in shackles from slavery, right? So it's, a, it's an act of resistance and, res, and resilience because they, they fought their captors and threw them over, overboard. But when they saw on the shore there was a death and slavery waiting for them, they decided to do a mass suicide. But what the story passed on as, uh, because they couldn't find all the bodies in the ocean, is turned into they uh, flew into the sky or walked their way through the Middle Passes back to Africa. So uh, that place was celebrated and Gullah Geechee people are a strong community in the low country of America, in the Golden Isle from Jacksonville, uh, North Carolina to Jacksonville, Florida, right? So those people, Gullah Gullah Island, you might've heard it, they hold this story and you have people like Harriet Tubman that was moving up the, uh, the Underground Railroad and they would sing these spirituals that would really bring in the story about flying Africans and, and, and that's when they would know to kind of leave and go up north. So it's a, it's a story of resilience and resistance, very much uh, parallel to Jim Brown's life as he left football and, and went into civil rights activism and went into uh, Hollywood and just used his platform and Amer I Can. These stories felt to me parallel. So we, we use animation to do some of the recreation and the storytelling through a griot. Uh, Queen Quet, Gullah Geechee uh, chiefess, um, she really helped set the stage. And then we kind of float in between animation and live action and, and really did a beautiful, enchanting journey through the two stories to try and pay homage to Jim Brown and his legacy, as well as the Gullah Geechee people and the people of Igbo culture. Listener, if you're like me and my wife, we celebrate stories of some of our favorite artists, artists like Jay-Z, who are famous for going into the recording studio and no pen, no pencil, no paper, and just kind of spitting what's at the tip of their tongue. Well, in a very real way, Queen Quet that you just mentioned does that in this piece. You gave her kind of a, a general thesis for what you wanted, and she spit this like it was... Oh, yeah. Final track. And the rebellion broke out on board the slave ship. And those that had been chained and marching in together, said all of a sudden their spirits released. The fighting continued, it never ceased. Everybody looked up into the sky and they said on that day, they saw our ancestors fly. Sun-kissed midnight and back again. For days, they prayed for heaven sent. For nights, they rode until they bled. Fate bestowed upon them again and again and again. 
chains glisten on their soft and royal skin, crippling, resolution rippling through the sea in their eyes. Which sparked a flame for the ocean within. Met with the sin at the shoreline, and the tides began to turn. It's an extraordinary moment of creation that we see in addition to this celebration of an historical moment that takes place there. It's an 1803 slave rebellion, which is important for you to know about. It's important for you to know what happened, what happened next, and where it happened, and where it happened. St. Simon's, am I getting it? St. Simon's Island. St. Simon's Island. And yeah. Jason McCordy, remind me, um, who was born on St. Simon's Island? The guy you just mentioned, Mr. Jim Brown. I, I, I'm curious as a player, you know, the, the more thoughtful players that we meet, and we're so lucky in this building at NFL Network to meet so many thoughtful players and former players like you, Jason McCourty. I know that the legacy of Jim Brown, just purely football, let's take this story out of the, out of the room for just one moment, just purely as a football player who honors history and worked hard enough to be a part of history as you did 13 years in the league. It's an extraordinary accomplishment. The name Jim Brown is not simply a name. I can't imagine it ever would be simply a name for you. Tell me what Jim Brown means to you. Jim Brown means so much and I got a chance to play for the Browns as you mentioned for one season and Jim Brown had his own office in a facility. You'd often see him walking around. There were times where we would be on road trips that he was there. There were times that he addressed the team as well. I think with Jim Brown, man, and for me, I obviously never got a chance to watch Jim Brown play live, but you could go on his highlights and he looked so different being out there playing the game of football. And you hear people talk about how dominant he was throughout his career that could have lasted much longer if he chose to continue to focus on football. And I think that's what makes him so special to so many players, especially a black player that played in our league, because you know, when Jim Brown was playing, he was also breaking down barriers within our country. And he was standing up for things that weren't popular at the same time and willing to risk his career. And he also moved on to do movies and to do so many different things outside of just the game of football. So I think when you look at Jim Brown for a player that played in the NFL, he's inspiration because he was one of the best to ever do it when it came to putting a helmet on. But then also he was willing to fight for things that he believed in off of the field. And I think that's inspiration for players, especially at different times throughout our careers or throughout our country where you're frowned upon and almost can get things taken away from you for standing up for what you believe in. The story of this 1803 rebellion in which these soon-to-be slaves, already captive, already in chains, they were already enslaved, overcame their captors, but chose to die instead of live in chains, instead of live as property. The beautiful lines that you will hear, their sorrow formed a storm in the soul-powered sky, and it cried and it melted all the darkness. Ancestors' tears poured down sweet nectar rain, and they sent their seed and a star was made. And that star is Jim Brown. And we are talking about a story from 1803 and a legacy born out of that moment in 1803 and talking about the blood-soaked clay that became the foundation, became the spot on which this star Jim Brown was made. I'm, I'm brought to, it, it, I'm moved by the words that you so beautifully wrote, Osahan. I'm also moved by the reality of resistance. I think the very word sometimes people find triggering, and yet 
it is such an important part of who Jim Brown was. It's such an important part of what this story is, mm -hmm. Osahan, that you are bringing to us. Jason, I'll start with you. I'll finish with Osahan. The notion of resistance, resistance to templates, resistance to paradigms, resistance to assumptions about what you are and what you should be, uh, how important a living legacy is the resistance of this 1803 rebellion. Well, when you mention resistance and then you say the words legacy, and I think of belief, and I think when you find people that are willing to go through resistance to get things corrected, to get things moving in the right way, it usually starts with a sense of belief in something. I think that goes a long way, and the stories that you're going to see in that piece tomorrow night is going to show you people that were willing to resist the things that were going on around them for what they knew was going to be a better life, not only for themselves, it wasn't selfishly motivated, but it was about different people that it was going to impact at that time and for the future to come. So I think whether you're talking about the Igbo people and the Gullah Geechee people having a sense of pride for what was done in 1803, or you're talking about the Tuskegee Airmen who were willing to stand up for what was right and going, being willing to go out there and fight for their country, you're going to see people that met resistance. And I think this story is so special as much as it was then as it is now because there are things that go on where you have somebody that might be afraid to step out on their own and be willing to meet resistance because they don't know if there's anyone that's going to support them. And I think it's important to see, especially this month, represent Black History Month because there's so many people out there that don't know which way to go. And I think seeing the story of inspiration from people that came before them, they can see that history repeats themselves and they can be somebody that's willing to step out on faith for something they believe in to change uh, the world around them. A giant spawned from blood-stained clay, a newborn golden child, James Nathaniel Brown. Like the chief who walked the sea and brought the shadows to their knees, came a man who bore the spark that made the flames that slayed the dark. This is an original poem, part of which was written by you, Osahan. It is absolutely beautiful and powerful work. It reveals the greatness of Jim Brown as a man, a man who embodied power and truth and spoke truth to power at a time when it was inconvenient for a lot of people for that to be the case. This is a blending also of live action and animation. This is an art piece. This is a thought piece. This is an historical piece. This is a piece you need to hear. Why is this story important to tell and necessary to hear? Well, first I wanna make sure that everyone knows Bianca Lenore uh, Quinones was a co-writer on this piece and she really brought poetry. She's a Grammy nominated singer songwriter as well. So, you know, uh, she really brought the elegance to to the piece. Um, I just want to give her her props. But I think, you know, I, I think this story was was something that had to exist because we had to birth it and it was going to it had to come through me as the vessel to birth it in. We had to collaborate with all these people to bring it to life because we often hear a lot of stories of subjugation or slavery or whatever, but we never hear about people fighting back. We never hear about resilience and resistance. We never hear about the ingenuity it took to, to overcome some of these things for us to be where we are. We just get a blink of uh, the darkness that happened and, and we don't feel the process. We don't see and honor the people who actually fought back that give you the courage to fight back as well. I think in this moment in time, we're seeing a lot of different things politically across the world that people are fighting back and, and trying to have sovereignty over their own lives. And I I think uh, what we are looking to do is sing a song of faith, 
sing a song of liberty and make sure that it is voiced by the people that really need to hear it and it's coming from it's coming from the heart it's coming from the soul it's really peeking through because you know you're saying you're talking about resilience you're talking about resistance it's this is a piece of resistance within the framework of sports media like nobody's doing animation poetry live action photography that looks like this that really takes things. I've seen a hundred Jim Brown documentaries. I've never seen anything that touched on the soil that he comes from with poetry and, and, and such grace. So I think this is something that can be like Mount Fuji, right? It just exists, right? So it doesn't matter. It doesn't bend left or right. It exists to exist because it's great and it should stand there. And much like NFL 360 and the landscape of sports media as well, it exists, it stands on its own, and it, it cuts through everything. That's why there's 10 Emmy nominations. It doesn't come because we're just aiming for it. It's because we're trying to exist and tell stories that rise above football, rise above the sports, and impact everyone on a, on a universal and personal level. NFL 360 Black History Month special director and producer Osahan Tongo, thank you for your time today. Thank you. And the host, of course, Jason McCourty. Jason, thank you so much for making time to join us today. I am so proud to be colleagues, to say that I am your colleague, Osan, and your colleague, Jason McCourty, when we see work like this. Thank you so much for it, Jason. Thank you. I appreciate you having us. Listener, please do yourselves and your families a favor. Watch this. Record this. NFL 360 Black History Month special Tuesday night. That's tomorrow night on NFL Network, 8 p.m. Eastern. These are stories you need to hear. They will elevate both your understanding of our world and your connection to it. It is not lost on me that both of the stories you will see are connected by flight. Spirits never died that ascended to the sky. Spirits of a slave rebellion more than 220 years old. Living legacies of brilliant black men in America who were denied the chance to fly, but when that opportunity was fought for and given, however reluctantly, they soared, of course. Watch it. I want to thank today's special guests, Jason McCourty and Osahan Tongo. And I want to invite the listener to join us tomorrow when we will get back to some football talk about Super Bowl 58. We are only days from Super Bowl 58. We're going to get a little granular. We're going to look at the matchups that may just decide this dramatic contest between the Chiefs and the Niners. Man-on-man matchups, coach-on-coach matchups, unit-on-unit matchups, and yes, team-on-team matchups. Who will star? Who will stumble? Well, we won't know till Sunday, but we have an idea, and we're going to share some of those ideas with you tomorrow. Till then, ciao for now. NFL Total Access is a production of the NFL in partnership with iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.